what advice would you give an aspiring investor that's six to 12 months behind where you're at right now? Oh, I love this one. I'm a big Tony Robbins guy. I love coaching and I love actually growing all the time. So I would say align yourself with somebody that's done it. Somebody that's achieving what you want to achieve. Big believer of saying, hey, if you want to go somewhere, find somebody that's done it and pick their brain. Go ahead and take them out to lunch. This is the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast, and I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. Now, this podcast is designed for the aspiring apartment investor and literally gives them the opportunity to ask the questions that will help them get to the next level. So if you're an aspiring apartment investor, this podcast is for you. Now, this podcast is brought to you by the Tribe of Titans Multifamily Educational Community. It's your one-stop shop for learning how to succeed at apartment investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. Very excited for today's show, especially as excited. It's a first deal series episode, and we have Dave Sneehal on the line with us today. And not only do we have Dave, but we have made this a open case study for the Tribe of Titans. So we've got a handful of tribe members who are sitting along watching this live as well, and we'll be able to ask questions while we're going on. That said, Dave, Thanks for coming on and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. Appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. And met at the uh, GOB conference a couple of weeks ago, and that was that was a great event. You know, happy to see you here again. Yeah, I'm a Chicago native, so it was a must to get to that event, and I'm glad I met you. It's easy when the events are in your hometown. I remember the the first multifamily conference I went to. I was living in the D.C. metro area. It was also in D.C. and I don't know if I would have gotten on a plane to go to a conference at that point, but I'm sure glad there was a conference in D.C. Yeah, it sure is easy when it's in your hometown. Anyway, that said, let's talk about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us an idea of your background and walk us into how you got into multifamily. My background is in real estate since 2015 as a broker. I started on the residential side, bought some properties as an investor as well. When I got into the broker duties there, my goal was always to get, end up on the investment side, whether it was uh, as a commercial real estate broker or definitely as an investor, that was always on my mind was to buy real estate and not just broker deals and, and sell real estate. So that was um, goal number one. That was the primary focus. So started in the single family space a little bit and did some fix and flips, partnered on some of those and then partnered on a couple of buy and holds and those projects became pretty intensive to manage. And I think a, a similar story for a lot of multifamily operators. In 2020, our brokerage here, EXP, actually opened up EXP Commercial, which actually allowed me to go ahead and migrate over to the commercial side of the business. And nice. uh, multifamily was always our love. My father's own apartment since I don't remember. I mean, I was I was a kid that was uh, you know on summer break there that was going to help do turns, unit turns on my bed. It's just kind of full circle, I guess. Nice. So you mentioned the the single family portfolio. I'd like to touch on that one because most people who are sitting in your seat start with single family. And you said it got to the point to where, I don't remember your exact words, but where it got difficult to manage. What were some of the aspects that you, you ran into that, that made to cause the difficulty? We ran into challenges actually just prior to COVID. Contractors and uh, management, having the scattered assets, uh, it does make it a little bit more management intensive. If the roof goes 
a bad, obviously you got to take care of a roof on a house. Anything, a furnace goes bad, you're paying for that on a house. Uh, If it's repair or replacement, either way, Uh, these are all calls that you're going to take where it just makes it a little harder. And I goal was always to get into multifamily and have structured asset there that we can either manage ourselves uh, a little easily or implement some property management in there as far as partnering with a good property manager. Yeah, and that, that that's a good point. I mean, you had assets scatter all over the place, and and you, and you mentioned roofs. Obviously, multifamily properties have roofs as well, but you got a lot of units under one roof, you know, which is it's a lot different. Instead of having ten roofs on ten houses, you know, one ten unit has one roof that's a little bit bigger. What you're saying is you're you moved in. Don't let me put words in your mouth. Your ultimate goal was to move into multifamily, and part of the reason was because of the economies of scale that you get with multifamily. Hundred percent, and I'm a team player, so I like the aspect of partnering and dealing with a certain role, and then also having other folks that have strengths that can deal with other roles as well. Mm-hmm. So instead of taking on the whole project yourself, which is pretty much the role. I mean, I had a partner, uh, single family, but he was more passive, uh, just signing on uh, the debt if needed and whatnot. But more often than not, I was taking care of most of the duties as far as coordinating rehabs and that sort and managing the properties. So it was very uh, labor intensive in that sense where it's like, okay, do I want to be doing this with, you know, 50, 100 houses? I mean, is that really practical? I evaluated it and it said no. It makes a lot of sense. And like I said, a lot of people who sit in your seat have the same, have the same realization one day where I think it's, it's a lot easier for somebody to jump into the single family market. It's a lot easier to, and maybe it's more of a mental thing. It's a lot easier to buy a single family house and rent it out than maybe a 10 unit. There just, for some reason, there's, there's a huge mental block with a lot of people. Most people start there, but you realize real quick that there's better ways of doing things. That's to that end. uh, If I can add, I was just going to say a lot of people obviously buy their own home. So they're Mm -hmm. familiar with that. So buying a single family home is familiar. So Mm -hmm. sometimes we do what we're familiar with. And that just makes sense to a lot of people as far as starting out. Maybe that was the same thing with me. But And then you might think that bigger building is out of reach with 10, 15, 20, 100 units, whatever it is. And then you just got to open up your mind to it and just put yourself around people that, that have done that. And then you start seeing things differently. Yeah. And amazingly, the process is not very different. There's a lot of similarities between single family and multifamily. There's a due diligence period, inspection period. You have the similar contingencies involved. It is is definitely more complicated, but it's a very similar process. And you make the you make a good point. You know, a lot of people buy one for themselves and there's there's a whole lot of education in the the real estate industry is geared around single family homes for the most part. Buying a single family home isn't a bridge too far for most people. And it's something most people have done. Buying a 20 plex or a 30 unit, that for a lot of people is a bridge too far. And I like how you said it, you get around people who have done it and that's going to really help you to be able to do it yourself. And I said, something I, I like to talk with everybody about is kind of a motivational question and really the reason I ask is because I, I had this big burning why of my own that really helped me you know, get through the initial steps and initial hurdles. So what is your big burning why? For me, it, I don't want to keep running on the treadmill. And um, we, I think, get into the habit of trading our time for money here because that's what we're 
you know, conditioned to uh, think that we have to do when we come out of school um, or college, whatnot. So um, my big burning why is I want to spend more time with my loved ones here and not have to trade my time as much for money. And if I can gather assets and also change lives of residents in a positive manner that live in our properties and, you know, provide clean, affordable housing and, you know, do those things and also enjoy time with my family. I think it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. is. I 100% agree. And I think a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people, what, what you're saying is is not brand new. It's it's similar reasons for a lot of people get into multifamily. And I want to say this is a Warren Buffett quote. You know, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but he said something like, if you can't find if you can't find ways to make money in your sleep, you'll work until you die. You know, it, it's one of those where you have to be able to finally disconnect you know, the time from the money. And if you can, if you can do that, that's where you can actually start to become wealthy. You know, when you disconnect the fact that I have to go and punch a clock to make money. So yeah. anyway, 100%. good. Yep. Um, and yeah, spending time with the family, I think that's, uh, that comes up a whole lot. So, um, so let's talk about this, this deal, 104 units in Augusta, Georgia. And I really like Augusta. I think it's a, it's a nice area, nice town. Um, you know, little city, half a million. We got two assets and maybe three coming up here soon there. So uh, let's talk about uh, Augusta. First of all, what, what's uh, what do you like about Augusta? So <laughs> Augusta fun fact is um, they make uh, 90% of the world's golf, golf carts there, right? Um, they've got the highest uh, capita per capita, I should say, of uh, doctor contingent there because they've got eight area hospitals there. These folks need housing. There's a lot of great metrics. Obviously, the Masters has played out there once for PGA there. It's a growth market. We love the Sunbelt State. All the metrics lined up for an opportunity that made sense for us to join a team on that asset. I do like Augusta and, and me being military, I always focus on the fact that Army Cyber Command it was recently yes. to Augusta and yes. that brought about $30 billion of DOD money down to the area, which yeah. also attracts a lot of white collar jobs. You know, it attracts yes. people with in, in the cyber cyber careers, which are typically high paid income guys. Great, great market. Augusta, in my mind, it's obvious why people want to invest in Augusta, but maybe I shouldn't say that because that's going to increase the competition that we have on other properties in Augusta. So let's talk about the team that came together. And you did mention earlier that you're in an opportunity where people have different roles and responsibilities. So let's talk about the team and how this team came together. So that's a good question. Yeah, we. I'm actually a big believer in coaching and mentoring. So I do. Ha- I did have a coach and a mentor here in the multifamily space. This opportunity was presented uh, through the group. There, it was an opportunity that was sourced through broker relations. I did not source the deal. I was told about the deal, and we looked at it. We liked what the upside was. We looked at it, and I have a partner, my partner Barag, with Synergy REI our company. And we looked at it together and said, hey, you know, where can we add value to this team? And we wanted to help raise some equity and then also help out on the asset management side. There was quite Mm -hmm. a bit of work to do to go ahead and stabilize the property and uh, reposition it. So we want to make sure that we were in the thick of things there. Okay. Now, this is it's a very, very common way to come into things. Somebody gets something under contract. And I think a lot of, if I had to say there was one shortfall in a lot of coaching programs, it's the capital raising piece where a lot of people, 
don't really plan for that until they have something under contract. When you're dealing with these coaching programs, a lot of times people get deals under contract and they're like, oh crap, I've got to raise $2 million. How am I going to do that? They go out and start looking for other people, bring them in as co-GPs and very, very common. How far along in the process were they when you guys came into the deal? We were brought the deal before the PSA. We were actually sent the deal there to evaluate before the PSA was signed. It was something that we looked at for a few days and, uh, and evaluated it and made sure it met our metrics as to what we're looking to do projects. And it did. The team, we're familiar with the team there. So like you mentioned, you don't want to come in on an equity raise there when when things are getting dire. So <laughs> we, were, we, we were in it from the beginning there, which is definitely a blessing there on our first, uh, our first yeah. acquisition there. It's very, very helpful. The earlier you you come into deals, the better off everybody is. And I, I've seen a couple of times where you know people are bringing you know equity raisers in last minute, and then there's many reasons why it happens. And there's there's sometimes really, really good reasons why it happens, but it's not ideal for for anybody involved. All right, so you guys you guys came in early on. You met these guys through this mentorship program. They, they had a deal, presumably with an assigned LOI. They brought you guys into it. And by the time the PSA was signed, you guys were like, all right, we're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. It, it met what we were looking to do as far as our goals. And, and um, we worked out an MOU as far as what our role would be. And um, it, it, everything lined up. And, you know, it was um, one of them things where um, – a lot of opportunities come your way. We've said no to quite a few uh, just because they didn't meet what we're looking to do and what our model is and what our mission statement is. Um, so it's just like they say, right, you're going to find that needle in a haystack and, and you know, there's going to be other deals that might be pitched from pitched to you from other GPs that, that you know, want to bring you on the team. But if it doesn't fit what you're looking to do and what your mission is, then you might want to, not might, you really want to say no, right? And just say, hey, you know, we're looking to do something else. Wish you the best, of course, on this acquisition, but uh, it's not going to be a good fit for us. Yeah, makes makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And something that goes along with that, you got to know what your criteria is. You got to know what you're looking for. Um, otherwise, it's really hard to say whether you're going to say yes or no to something. So, yeah, without without having your criteria set, this is the type of deal I want to raise on. Um, these are the type of the things that I can pitch to the people that, you know, are going to potentially invest with us. Um, and these are things that, you know, I, I don't particularly want. So whether it's asset class, whether it's it's location, you got to have your criteria so you can evaluate the, these deals. So um, so let's talk a little bit about the deal itself. You know, basically what we've talked about already, 104 units, Augusta, Georgia. So tell us a little bit more about the property and what your guys' business plan is. So the property, um, as I mentioned, uh, the previous seller, I'm sorry, the previous owner um, was having trouble. He didn't have good management. Um, there was 20 plus evictions pending there at our acquisition. And uh, we knew about it. Um, and COVID had, uh, the pandemic had some uh, something to do with that, obviously. But um, either way, collections were very low. And that's where we've seen the opportunity, right? We, we want to go ahead and put in operational efficiencies there with a good property management team and, and shore the ship there, right? Yep. Uh, so um, that and along with the uh, business plan to go ahead and um, we want to do all the roofs. There's 14 buildings on that asset. Um, so we had gotten bids on the roofs um, and the exterior paint and, and uh, painting the walkways and balconies and the exterior skin on the buildings there. Um, so we had gotten quotes. These Those were the two biggest items on the CapEx. Uh, and then, of course, unit renovations. Uh, but, you know, just those two items, there were a bid out for about 300 grand a, a, a piece in CapEx. So about 600 right there and that's out of our one million dollar cap 
athletics budget. Um, and, and, you know, we've got a good property manager that has a great footprint in Augusta that um, was able to save a substantial amount of money on that roof um, uh, replacement there. So um, he got it done for a fraction of what our bid nice. was at 300. So they've, they've got relationships with vendors there locally, and that, that's been working out in our favor on the, on the roof repairs as well as the bids that we've gotten for the paint as well on the exteriors. Nice, nice. So, so maybe not mismanaged, but it wasn't managed efficiently when I mean, you came exactly. in. There is, there is yeah. uh, 20, 20 pending vacancies on a hundred units. That's a lot. I mean, that can that can really number one if uh, not vacancies, twenty pending evictions, evictions. yeah, which is going to very shortly turn into twenty pending vacancies. But it's also probably twenty people who aren't paying while they're in the property. So that's that's a significant drag on a property there by itself. And something that if you guys can cure, it's it's really easy to turn the corner on that one. Put new people and do some renovations, put some people in. Um, and I, I love I love that you're putting an enormous amount of money into the exteriors. I think a lot of people uh, neglect them, especially, I hate to say it, some of the new syndicators are just looking at the interior stuff and you know, the exterior budget doesn't get a lot of uh it doesn't get a lot so you know having about half of your capex budget to the exterior outside in approach I, I love how you're doing that you know really spruces it up makes it makes it look a lot nicer um yeah when did you guys close on the property um at the end of april i believe april 29th and just to kind of go over yeah. what the folks were going on, uh, what was going on with the evictions there. Uh, some folks were actually eligible for assistance, right? And, you know, the, it, it takes a proactive property management team to help some of these folks. They don't know how to get assistance. Then some some folks just need assist, assistance, getting assistance, <laughs> rental assistance. That is, yeah, right. You know, so our property manager came in and we didn't have to evict all the folks. We were able to bring some of the folks that really needed assistance, the help that they needed to go ahead and stay within. They had good payment histories. We would keep them on board. So sometimes, you know, it's not all about just getting folks out. It's about saying, hey, how can we help this folk, these folks? There's money out there that's available that's allocated just for this. So yeah. we actually talked to our property manager and they were actually very good about it too. And they're proactive. Um, um, the good thing is there's a complex across the street from us that they manage as well. So that's kind of how we ran into this property manager and they were doing a pretty good job there. So we interviewed them and, and it worked yeah. out where um, we can bring them on board on this acquisition as well. So we we, we purchased the property also in Augusta uh, earlier. Actually, it was December 27th, so very late last year. And there, there were a couple of people who had, uh, it was a lot smaller, but a couple of people who had um, some bad debt, you know, people who had kind of racked up some some charges and we basically told our property manager you know let's just wipe the slate clean with these guys and just tell them if they pay their rent on time we're gonna let them stay and you know one of them we ended up evicting but the other one has been a model tenant since so you know it was it's it's one of those where you know you you want you don't want to be heartless and just kick people out you try to work with them the best you can, but also realize you're not running a charity. But yeah, we, were, we were able to do that pretty easy and just, you know, I don't care what your relationship was with the previous owner. I don't care if you didn't pay him, but if you pay me, you can stay. And like yeah. I said, we, we had two in that situation. It's a 26 unit, one, one paid. And like I said, it's been extremely diligent at that. And the other one, you know, like I said, we ended up evicting. So yeah. Um, so let's talk about the capital raise. Was this was this your first capital raise? 
this was and um it was it was a great experience in the sense of you learn a lot right um yeah. you talk to a lot of folks you let them know what you're doing and um you know when it comes down to um poning up and putting uh, money into a deal you know a lot of folks that you talk to will say you know oh it's you know it's not in our backyard i'd like something a little closer to home and you know they're, they're gonna fall off the map let's put it that way right so you've got to kind of be able to pivot so if you've got to raise my best advice and i'm sure you already know this brian but is you know if you've got them uh raise probably times it by three on what you need to raise yeah. and, and and gun for that rather than just whatever you got to raise um so yeah. that's one of the things i learned and then also um you know keep talking to folks and educating them that's the biggest thing um and i think um we were a little behind the eight ball on that but then we caught up pretty quick yeah you know the fir first raise is an eye opener for a lot of things and i, I think everybody walks away with wow i'm going to do that differently next time or um you know you, you know you, you know what you need to do for the next one you know what you need to do to prepare for the next one and and you're, you hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of education that comes in with raising capital because especially especially on the first raise, a lot of people that you're talking with are close friends and family that may not have ever invested in multifamily before. And so, you know, for, for them, it's brand new. And so a lot of it is you have to get them over that, the fear of the unknown. You have to get them over the, it's not in my backyard. And that's all, that's all education. So, you know, when you're, when you're going into your second deal, your next raise, how are you going to do that differently now? What are you, what are you going to do differently now that you have this experience behind you? So that's a great question because um, we've got a we've got a process flow now. Um, education is key, right? Um, we're even with friends and family, no matter who it is, who, who we talk to about investing in multifamily as a passive investor, um, we want to go over. Uh, we actually have a webinar that we put together and it goes over how how syndications work and also um, what the benefits are for uh, LPs or limited partners to come on board. Uh, so once that's done, at least they have a, a framework, right, of yeah. what the what deal structure looks like. I mean, uh, syndications have been around for a little while, but they haven't been around for that long as far as, you know, everybody knowing about them. So they're getting more popular, obviously. So education, uh, we find, is huge, letting folks know. And then also showing a sample deal. And, you know, we've got this deal. And uh, we've got also mentors that have done our deals that we could use these examples on what we like to target. You know, so just go over those kind of deals and then projected returns on what we look for as far as metrics and KPIs that we like to see and, you know, operational efficiencies and how we source an opportunity and, and say, yeah. hey, this is something that could possibly work. So we'll go over that with them before you even have a deal. And I think, yeah. um, you know, we talked about this at the GOP at length as well. And, you know, they say that, you know, get a deal and the money will come. And that's not true. The no. money doesn't come. <laughs> um, so definitely always 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 be raising i know you guys were on stage uh preaching that and i was like yes 100%. yeah that, that that phrase came up once or twice you know jay jay scott did a really good job at moderating and he kept on yeah it, that phrase kept on coming up always be raising always be raising always be raising so yes. um yeah that, that was that was interesting that was that was a good i'm glad he did you know i'm glad he did yeah it was a good yeah. thing what was the total yeah. capital raise for the deal i think it was an eight eight million dollar purchase price is that right so we were at 8.4 on a purchase price okay. and then also we had a million dollars in capex that we we're putting on into okay. the project so our raise was just under three million on equity 
Okay. All right. Yeah. So, and that's, that, that's right about the, the sweet spot. Typically when we're looking at numbers, we're raising somewhere between, you know, 30 and 40% on value add. So whatever the purchase price is 30 to 40%. And you guys are right in the middle of that $8 million purchase price. I'd expect about that. So $3 million to raise, to get into an $8 million property with a million dollar CapEx. Now you, you closed in April. Now, don't mean to put you on the spot. You know, I, I didn't didn't tell you earlier that I'd ask about the loan. So hopefully you got the information. Tell us about the loan. So the debt, that's a that's a great question because mm-hmm. we were actually supposed to close in March, but uh, a lot of things changed in the, in the capital markets in March, right? When that rate hike uh, came close. And we um, we were at a pivotal point in that deal where the terms changed with our lender. So we really had to make some decisions on what we wanted to do to move forward. And we had to engage another lender. And, you know, the seller was a little difficult on working with us towards an extension and mm-hmm. wanted more money to go hard in order to extend. Uh, so, it, you know, this is the stuff that you have to kind of be ready for, I guess. And, and a lot of folks don't talk about this. And a lot of there's a lot of posts that, you know, hey, we did this. But I think... You know, I love talking about the pitfalls. I love talking about, hey, this is how we were able to overcome. We were able to go ahead and engage another lender and actually get better terms than the uh, the original lender. And, and the capital stack you know, worked out where we can go ahead and still have great returns for our investors that we're bringing on and, and complete this deal. Whether, you know, the situation in the middle of March there was, hey, did we just, you know, cancel this deal and lose our earnest right. money that's hard? Or... Let's see if we can save this deal and, and see if we can get some terms that are favorable. And, and it, it just so happens that we were able to, to do that and save this yeah. deal. It doesn't take the Fed to raise rates for debt markets to do weird things. When you're underwriting things, when you're looking at that, you've, you've always got to look at that loan as until you got the money in the bank, everything on that loan paper can change. They can change the amount of proceeds. They can change the rate. They can change some of the terms. Keep that in mind going through. And this year has been difficult to, yeah, some areas to acquire debt. I think we we were looking at one where a lender pulled out, pulled back and said, "We decided not to lend in this state anymore." You know, and it's just <laughs> why not? You know, I mean, lots of things can change, especially in in the type of economy we're in right now. Oh, I was going to say, lenders are doing some quirky things right now, and they're mitigating their risk as, the risk the best they can because there's some uncertainty there, and you just got to be ready to pivot and see where see where you make some adjustments. Yeah, absolutely. When did this? Because it's a deal closed in April. Besides the the loan terms changing, were there any other big hitches? You know. Be- getting to the closing table. Just the seller not wanting to be flexible on on uh, extending with us and then wanting another substantial amount of money added to the earnest money and, and that going on refundable right away as well. So that was a hurdle. Due diligence was pretty smooth. We understood what we were getting into as far as the project. So that was fine. And then vetting the property manager, we had uh, originally planned to, our one of our, actually two of our partners on this deal have uh, assets in Atlanta. And mm-hmm. uh, we were going to use the property manager based out of Atlanta where the new lender mentioned they want somebody uh, specifically with a footprint in Augusta. So we were able to find somebody that uh, find a property manager, I should say, that had a great footprint in in Augusta and they're actually managing a complex next door. So it worked out great. Nice. Closed in April. How have things gone since closing? 
No, great question. So we're down to five evictions left. Either folks have been brought up to current or evictions have been processed. Our pre-leased occupancy is up to 93% down from, uh, we're in the low 80s when we acquired. So we're we're rocking and rolling. Uh, 12 out of the 14 buildings have new roofs. So CapEx is going great. We've got the bids for the paintwork. We've, we've actually rebranded the property from Thomas, uh, Thomas Ridge Luxury Apartments to the Regency to go ahead and get it a fresh look and a fresh feel in the community there. Uh, so we're doing a grand opening there soon. Uh, we're, so uh, there's a, a mall there that they're redeveloping there, and it's uh, there's going to be a substantial amount of money that's put uh, into that area there where the property is located. So we're excited about that. There's a lot of great things happening in South Augusta to go ahead and revive that uh, area of Augusta. Nice. Yeah, and like I said, I'm, I'm really bullish on it. And that many roofs in that short of a time, and I know you guys got a really good deal on it. Somebody once told me, and this is uh, this is something I picked up at uh, – at a local RIA from a flipper that uh, he's one of these guys that do hundreds of flips a year. One of the things that his key metric is, is how fast are we spending our money? And he basically said that he wants to see money fly out the door because the, the faster they're spending money, the faster they're flipping. And that, that's that's one thing that as long as you're spending the money on the things that are on the budget, that's one of the things that I've started realizing is absolutely true in multifamily is yeah. you want to spend that renovation budget fast. You know, the faster you can yeah. get to that million dollars, provided you're not wasting it, the, the better things are in the long run. For the sure. fact that you guys are, you know, a good portion into your, your million dollar CapEx budget is a good thing. I, I would hope and the greatest thing is we're b- below budget. Uh, that was our projected budget. And we're coming in with our property managers. They're rock stars. They're coming in with bids well below what we projected and the b- bids that we had during our due diligence, just because they do have these vendor relations yeah. in the local market. So it's working out where, you know, we can hopefully go back to our investors and just say, hey, we didn't have to spend a million dollars on this. And we're looking good uh, to be able to uh, make good on that. Here's some of your money back. That's always a fun thing to do. You know, we didn't have to spend it. Here's yeah, here's your money back. Things have gone fairly well so far since closing. Love to hear that. So a question I'd like to ask everybody, what's next for you? You know, uh, we're we're always evaluating opportunities, right? Where we can add value to um, to an acquisition, and um, really, what's next for me is outreach on our um, equity raising campaign there. So um, I mentioned before that educating uh, folks that this is a great vehicle. Uh, that you can, um, you know, take advantage of tax benefits mm-hmm. and also, you know, stable returns generally, as long as you got a good part, uh, a good uh, sponsor team there mm-hmm. and a good asset, right? It's backed by a hard asset, right? Uh, unlike the stock market or other investments, right? So mm-hmm. crypto. Uh, so yeah, this is a great vehicle. I just, uh, my, my my goal and my mission is to educate more people about it and, and say, hey, this is an investment vehicle that's available to you. And um, we would like to be a facilitator of that if, if it's something of interest. Love it. Love it. And what advice would you give an aspiring investor that's six to 12 months behind where you're at right now? Oh, I love this one. I'm a big Tony Robbins guy. I love coaching and I love actually growing all the time. So I would say align yourself with somebody that's done it. Somebody that's achieving what you want to achieve. Big believer of saying, hey, if you want to go somewhere, find somebody that's done it and pick their brain. Go ahead and take them out to lunch. Go ahead and be a fly on the wall. And just if you have to work for free and just, I, I mean, 
you, you'll you'll reap so many so much knowledge and so many benefits from even just doing that if you're you know if you're just starting in the space and you can't afford coaching or a program mm-hmm. that you know that you like um that you want to be a part of that's fine just do things that um you know say hey where can i help you what can i do for you what do you need help with and you know I, i'm willing to do whatever you know and and just show your value and, and at some point you know you, you're going to get um the knowledge that you need and and really it will be for you just maybe doing a little bit of free work or maybe you know getting paid a little yeah. bit of money but all of a sudden now you've got this knowledge base from somebody very experienced that's doing what you know uh, what you want to do and I, I would say keep asking too i mean keep asking i've had points in my career where people have asked me hey how can i help you i'm like yeah we're good right now but on the flip side I've had people yeah. ask me at just the right time when I have a specific pain point, and then all of a sudden it's like, "Yeah, I'll let you do some stuff for me," you know. But uh, keep on asking, letting people know what you can do, what your skill set is, and yeah. you know, you you may find you know two months or three months goes by, and the same offer is going to get a completely different answer. So, very much appreciate that. Yeah, and question. just to add, oh, add yeah. to that yeah. real quick, I would say if that person that you're asking can help you, mm-hmm. maybe they know somebody that you can add value to and just say, hey, you know somebody that I can help. I really want to get into this. I actually just got a call about that yesterday of a, a young guy that wants to, you know, actually his dad owns a bunch of single family homes over here. And he called me. He's like, hey, my son wants to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, well, what is it? Multifamily? And he's like, yeah. And, you know, he, he doesn't care about the single family homes as much anymore. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, all right, let's get on a call. You know, so he, you know, if it's if if you're asking somebody and they say, you know, I don't need anything, I'm good for now. Like you said, keep asking, and then also ask them because they usually know somebody else in the space that maybe might be able to use your help. Maybe you know, say, hey, you know what, call this guy. He was mentioning that he needed some help here. Maybe you can pick his brain and, and yeah. let him know what you can do for him. Yeah, and I, I would say that that works in capital raising too. You know, if you're trying to raise capital and you're talking with a potential investor. Always ask them the same question, you know, hey, do you know anybody else who'd be interested in this opportunity? And that uh, that opens a lot of doors. All right. Last question. How can listeners learn more about you? So I'm uh, I'm increasing my presence on LinkedIn. Uh, Dave Sneha, uh, of course, uh, I'm on IG as Deal Source Dave. I'm not too active on IG. Uh, but, uh, and then Facebook, of course, um, I'm in a bunch of uh, groups and, and I like to interact with folks on there as well. All right. So Dave Sneehall, find him on, on LinkedIn, primarily Facebook and IG as well. Hey, well, Dave, thanks so much for coming on the show. Very much appreciate the value you were able to add today and good luck uh, getting into your next deal. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Brian. All right. Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast by the Tribe of Titans. If you're still listening, you obviously liked it. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. And then make sure to check out our YouTube channel, which incidentally has a ton of video content that you'll also enjoy and learn from. Now, if you're interested in being on the show, go to our website, diaryofanapartmentinvestor.com and fill out the questionnaire on the website. And for more educational content and for more information about our educational community, check us out at thetribeoftitans.info.